Last week, we only made it uh, halfway through a section that I originally thought I would cover all in one week. And the interesting thing is we're going to be on this section I thought I'd do in one week for at least three weeks. But anyway, um, I've been known to take advantage of your patience um, by running a long time, you know, by running over just a time or two um, in the 32 years I've been here. Um, Interesting enough, uh, so this August, August that we're in now, uh, I'm starting my 33rd year uh, here, and uh, and it's been you know it's been a blast. It really has. It's uh, I'm glad you appreciate it, Karen. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I I didn't do that so you'd applaud. It was just a, it's just um, it's been a great experience. I mean, it really has. Uh, God's used it in my life in tremendous ways. Uh, to be able to be um, be here and be a part of this body. Uh, the plan for today is to cover verse 18 of Colossians chapter 1, just one verse. Uh, but let's pray first, and then we'll turn to that passage together. Father, thank you for the way in which you do guide in life. Uh, we, we sometimes forget that. We sometimes overlook that. We sometimes take it for granted. Uh, we sometimes think it's us. All of those are wrong. It's you and your guidance and your direction. Guide us and direct us as we look into your word. Thank you for the wisdom that it gives and that it brings because it shows us you and shows us your heart, your being, who you really are. We need that. This world puts out so many false narratives and so many false claims about who you are. Some, too many, just flat out ignore you. Help us to see how we might be able to help them see you a little bit more clearly. That'll come, well, as we see you more clearly, help us to share that with others. Don't let us be stopped by what we don't know, Father. Help us to share what we do know and the things you have shown us. Continue to show us from your word this morning. Those things about you, those things about the privilege, honor of having a relationship with you. Uh, teach us and take us deeper into your heart, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. I had thought about printing it on the top of your bulletin, uh, but you know I forgot until now again. So it's not there. So you might want to turn to it somehow, some way. And um, uh, some scholars uh, feel that um, verses 15 through 20 that you see there, uh, that some scholars feel that maybe this had been was an early hymn of the church, or maybe even uh, some early confession or creed of the church. Some translations, Holman Christian Standard is one, and some other translations too set it off a little bit. They you know they indent it, you know, and you always kind of wonder why are why are passages like that? That's why that passage is in some of the translations. That's why it that it is that way because. You know, some feel it was that. And whether it was a hymn or an early confession or creed of the church is is um, interesting, but it's also irrelevant. Um, it's irrelevant because what is clear is God led Paul to include that, include this in the inspired text. One of the things I take great comfort in is uh, that what God has in his word, what we have in the Bible is, uh, you know, we can we can trust that is that that's what God wanted us to know and what God wanted. 
are there concerns there you know there's so few concerns of of what of how some things are translated that it's really i mean there's so few that it really hits the point of of being irrelevant uh the the text of the bible is has been shown over and over again to be um, so so far so so accurate to a degree so far beyond what other ancient text, texts that we accept as um, as correct uh, you know the bible outshines them all by not just a little uh, but by a ton uh, so uh, you know we can we can trust that and god had paul include this in in this inspired in in this inspired text you know so it's irrelevant as to whether or not it was a confession or a hymn because god has it included in his word now but it's interesting because uh, these verses show a pretty mature view of christiology uh, christiology is simply the study of christ of who he is uh, and his his person his being his personality his position in the godhead uh, you know that that's simply what christology is you know it's that study of the person of, of christ jesus and it's interesting because this shows of a, a pretty mature as we look at it uh, and I, I got a kick out of that you know that it shows we say it shows a mature view of christology but our christology came from what they knew and what they believed so you know the, it shouldn't seem so odd to us uh, you know that, that that's what it is last week we looked at verses 15 through 17 when we looked at those uh, we noted that you know when we look at jesus we're looking at god you know he shows us that jesus is the creator everything was created by by jesus he is the ultimate authority it says that there is none greater uh, jesus is eternal nothing existed before him that's pretty clear and jesus sustains all of creation and we can know you know we can know that jesus has got all of those attributes there you know we can know he is god and and we should follow him you know we should follow him because he is god now let me give you this week's conclusion right up front and that's that we know jesus christ is our head uh you know he he we, we know he is the head not it's not a very fancy conclusion uh but it is quite important for us to grasp that now it's not only important for us to grasp this it is important for us to live this out so what are the ramifications for living what difference does it make you know that he is that he is our head now in our time in in society right now our time in culture and in history um, we we put zero stock on who's the head of anything just think about it are you for the president or against the president what were you for or against the previous president you know and all, I, I, that's just one example for you of how in our society who's the head big deal we say you know big deal i'm going to do what i want i'm going to do what i think is right you know and and it really doesn't matter who the head is Who's the head of your company? What an idiot. You know, well, that's how we think sometimes. That's how we think sometimes. It doesn't matter that, that they did something somewhere along the line to get to that position. That's irrelevant. We, just, we disagree with something they are doing now or something they've done. So, you know, they're just, they're just a, and, you know, who's the head becomes totally, not only irrelevant to us, it becomes irritating. It becomes 
it, it, it becomes something to, to stand against. So when we say Jesus Christ is our head, you know what? Um, we need, this, this is something we need to live out. And like I said, it's not a very fancy conclusion. You know, not, uh, let's look how I came to that conclusion. It's really not very complicated. It came right out of verse 18. Uh, but uh, for context, back up to verse 15 for me. And uh, for me, with me. Uh, well, that's where I'm starting. So if you want to follow along, that's where you should start too. Verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth. See, the creator, he is God. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Now, these are the verses we covered last week. And, you know, we said that we saw that we know, you know, that Christ Jesus is God. Now, today's verse applies that fact, applies the fact that, that, you know, that that he is God showing us that he is our head and some of what that means. So verse 18, what we're going to look at today, he is also the head of the body. So now you see where I got that conclusion. He is also some conclusions are pretty obvious, you know, and and, uh, you know, we don't think they're very fancy, but, you know, biblical is always better than fancy. Uh, He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Now, I didn't get beyond this verse because as I was working on it, you know, and and, uh, Kent and I text back and forth, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm working on the sermon, um, even if we're in the same building. Anyway, uh, you know, and, and I, I told him, I said, this is getting way long. You know, this is just getting, this is, you know, this is, this is crazy. You know, this is, uh, I said, I'm, I'm going to need to go back and do something, change some things. Um, and then that was the change. I decided we're only doing one verse. Um, so let's look at this in smaller sections because it says an awful lot. It starts out there with our conclusion. He is also the head of the body, the church. He, you know, he, he explains what body he's talking about there. You know, now, a body is often used in, in Scripture to show us, picture for us, define, if you will, uh, describe the relationship between Christ and the church. Now, one of those places is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it says this. It says, for as the body is one and has many parts. Now, he's talking in First Corinthians 12, he's talking about the giftedness of, uh, of, of individuals and people. And he says, for as the body is one and has many parts and all of the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts, each of the parts in one body, just as He wanted. 
And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, as he's, as he's writing to the Corinthians and he's telling them about spiritual gifts, that each person is gifted by God for a purpose. And he goes into the illustration of, you know, this purpose uh, of the body working together. And sometimes, you know, you, you know, if I if, sometimes, you know, we'd like to do what some other people can do. I told you before, uh, you know, I really enjoy like, listening to Leah play and. And and Kent, you know, the, the lesson, money for lessons was well worth it. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the whole the whole picture, you know, you know, of what they're doing up there. And, you know, and boy, I, I wish I could play an instrument. I really do. I'd love to play an instrument. I bought two different two. Uh, maybe it was three uh, different recorders. You say recorder. Hey, dude, what can you play anyway? Uh, and, I, you know, I, th- I really want to learn how to play this. Uh, no, that's really that's what I that's what I thought. The reality was I don't want to learn how to play this. I want to be able to play this. Forget the learning part. Just let me play it. You know, I mean, and, and, and we forget. You know, we, we we want to do what some other people can do. And I told you before, I always thought, man, what a great thing it would be. I hear people singing, and what a great voice. You know, and, and even some who don't have such a great voice, and I think, what guts? Uh, but anyway, you know, to get up there and sing in front of people and stuff like that. Uh, you know, again, my hat's off to people who do that. And I, and for a long time, uh, I, well, what's a long time? Longer than it should have been. For, you know, for a while, I, I always thought, man, Lord, I want to sing like that. You know, not like these three ladies because they sing way too high and it would really seem odd that a guy like this would. Anyway, uh, you know, so the, the, you know, the, the, the whole reality of, until we come to that place where we realize God has made the body of many different parts. And if we all did the same thing, first of all, how boring that would be, you know. I don't think it would be boring if we were all like me. It would be dangerous. Uh, but the, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole reality of the, of the parts working together. Pastor Kent had trouble with his car this week and last week. Um, it was doing all sorts of odd things. As he'd drive along, it would decide it wasn't shifting anymore. And, and uh, the things would start flashing. And uh, was it the door locks were going up? Yeah, door locks were going up and down. And you know, it was like his car was, it was, whoa. Anyway, uh, had a mind of its own. And uh, you don't want that to happen. You know, you don't, that's just something you don't want to happen. And, you know, he said, what do you think's wrong? And in all my infinite wisdom, I said, well, it's broke. It was a loose wire. That's all it was. One little stinking wire. Just one. There's a lot of wires in there. I don't know why the other wires couldn't do what this wire was supposed to do. You know, but it's it's just it's one goofy wire made it to where the car was pretty much unusable. Well, it wasn't it got to the point where it was unusable because then the transmission wouldn't engage at all, and he ended up having to have it towed in. And one, it, it took him. Well, I don't know if it took him all day to find uh, over a day to find it. They had the car for over a day. You know, maybe it had a, a, took a lot of breaks. But at any rate, um, all of the parts work together. To make this thing work. 
even this wire that was hidden down there. All parts of the body, he says. Because I'm, you know, because I, I'm, I like that one, you know, if all were in here, where would the sense of smell be? Think of the different, think of the different things. If you had, if you've ever lost, you know, any, any operation of part of your body, even for a little while, uh, you know, you, you, you begin to realize how, in, how inconvenient it is. You know, and, and a part of what is clear here, as he's showing the importance of every part of the body, is that each part should function as the body of Christ. Who keeps, is that me or is that you? That's, that can't be me. You know, all of those parts together, my finger, my, you know, my, and my thumb, they, they work together to be able to grasp a hold of something and, and, and hold on to it. You know, and, 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 you know, they, they do that to pick something up. They work together to make that happen. You know, and we forget about it. You know, we can live now, you know, we can live with some parts not working. You know, with some parts don't work, we can live. I only have one working ear. You know, some people are deaf. Uh, you know, they don't, don't have any working ears. You know, while my, my fractured elbow, you know, and wrist were healing, I only had use of one arm. And some people only have one arm. Some people don't have any arm. You know, you can live with some parts not functioning. You know, you, you can do that. And you make adjustments and you do the best you can. But you cannot live without a head. That just doesn't work. Christ is our head. He is our, you know, he is our, our life source. He is the essential part, the director, the beginning, the head of the body of the church. You know, we cannot live, you know, we cannot live, we cannot be the church without this connection to Christ, the head of the church. We cannot be all that we're supposed to be in life even without this vital connection to the head, to Christ. You know, the head directs, the head regulates, the head controls the body. I can grasp and hold things and, and pick them up because my head tells the other parts of my body which part needs to do what, you know, to make that happen. Now, for us, you know, some of the, it's automatic. It's not like we have to, we don't have to stop and think, okay, elbow, bend down, little finger, other finger, all those, and we don't have to think about that. You know, and we can walk, and, we, you know, we think, you know, we just walk, and we think it's automatic. But the head controls that. On um, Thursday evening, Jenny's uncle uh, came th- through town. He lives in New York. He was driving to Boulder, Colorado, and he stopped by to see us. Uh, now, her uncle, he's only two years older than we are, you know, but that's family dynamics. Anyway, um, he stopped by to see us. Now, some of you may remember uh, Jenny's uncle who had uh, a, a bad accident when he was riding his bike. He was hit by a truck. This is that uncle. We thought he was going to die after that happened. You know, he got those helicopter rides from the scene to a hospital, from that hospital to a different hospital, and all this. And you know, we weren't sure he was gonna, he was going to make it. And you know, we we went to see him in the hospital, and uh, he was there a long time. He had to relearn some things. You know, he had to. It, when people have injuries like that and stuff, they have to relearn sometimes how to walk again. 
you know, how to, how to, you know, I mean, riding the bike was, was wasn't even in, the, wasn't even on the agenda, uh, you know, when that happened. It was a number of years ago. He's going out to Boulder, Colorado now because he's doing a, a 250 or 300 mile bike ride, you know. So, but for a while, you know, that, that that wasn't happening. He knew how to do them, you see, but there, but but the, that connection, that connection wasn't wasn't there like it should be. The head, the body, the head-body connection is vital for life. You know, he is our head and he is our life source. You know, and as our head, he also directs us. You know, he directs us as a body and individually. It doesn't happen as a body unless it happens individually. You see, the, 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 the body, the, a church is never directed unless, unless the individuals in the church are directed. You see, a a church cannot be holy unless the people in the church are holy. A a, a church cannot be cannot be an outreach church unless the people in the church are doing. You see, so it's it's corporate, and there's that individual connection as well. And it says he is the head of the church. He coordinates all the parts. He tells us what to do in order to accomplish his will. You know, he lays that out there for us. And we need to maintain our vital connection to him. We need to maintain that connection to him as our head, individually and as a group. A church is only spiritual if the people within it are spiritual. The church only senses the leading of God if the people in the church maintain that vital connection themselves, each one of them themselves to God. You know, if, 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 if you're not maintaining that connection, if you're not maintaining that connection, then, then the church is weaker spiritually. I was going to say because of you, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. It's an individual thing that comes together then, you know, as, 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 this, as, as a church. He directs us, and we need to maintain that vital connection to him you know, as our head individually, you know, and as a group. Those will not be in conflict. They say, well, wait a second. If we're maintaining that vital connection, it won't be in conflict. Why? Because if we're maintaining it, we will not be in conflict with his attributes. If we're maintaining it, we will not live in conflict with his character. And we won't live in conflict with each other. That doesn't mean we all do the same thing. Remember, the body's made up of many parts. What it means is we will begin to appreciate more the other parts. We will begin to realize everyone doesn't have to be like me. You know, we will begin to realize those things. You know, as individuals, we should be functioning together as the church in order to carry out what Christ Jesus directs us to do. That back to your verse, it says he is the beginning. You know, he's, he's the head and it says he's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Firstborn from among the dead. You know, we look at that, we think you know, he was the first one to experience resurrection life. You know, he was the, the very first one to do that. If we know, and, and here's a great thing for us, if we know Christ Jesus as our Savior, if we have that relationship to him, uh, scripture tells us one day we too will experience that resurrection life. Romans chapter 6, he says, For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. <clears throat> that is part of our hope. 
as those with with a relationship with Christ. Now, when I say hope, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. We use that often, in, you know, in our 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 talking and our thinking. Well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. What we mean is, well, kind of, you know, that's just kind of my hope. It's, you know, it's wishful thinking, uh, you know, and 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 you know, that, that's not what it's talking about here. When it's talking about Christian hope, it's talking about a, a, about a certainty that is not yet experienced. Notice what he says. We will certainly, you know, we will certainly be. It's, it's, it's that certainty which we have not yet experienced. That's what Christian hope is. You know, it's for sure that we will be like him in the resurrection, that we will be like him. First John chapter three says, dear friends, we are God's children uh, now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. You see, this is part of that Christian hope. It's a certainty that is not yet experienced. It's when, when he appears, we will be like him. What a transformation. You know, what a transformation takes place when Christ returns. It, it, it's a great thing. Uh, Paul is you know, writing to the Corinthians, and it's generally a letter. Oh, he praises them in part, and then he gets to chapter 11. He says, no, in these things, I have no praise from you because you're a bunch of chumps. That's just a little bit of a paraphrase there. Uh, you know, and, and he, he's telling them, um, he begins to tell them uh, things they need. To, and then he draws their attention to the importance of the resurrection and the importance of who Jesus is and the reality of what the resurrection means. And he tells us, without it, we're lost. First uh, Corinthians 15. Um, he says, now if, Christ, if it is, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Because if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation, and so is your faith. In addition, we're found to be false witnesses about God. Because we have testified about God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. And you're still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You see, he's the firstborn having that, that position of preeminence, that position of, 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 of superiority as the firstborn. You know, not that he was born first, but it, that's that, that uh, order of, uh, that order, that, that order of, 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 of honor, of position. And here it says he's the first fruits. The first fruits are that there's, this is, the same with the, the this is this offering of there's more to follow that's the same they gave of their first fruits when you know we give our we give our offering we usually just give of what's extra or what's there they gave their first fruits you see because they were an agricultural society and so when when the wheat harvest came the first part of the harvest the first that was harvest was given to god and it was given to god in faith in faith that more of the same would follow. So when he's talking here about that Christ is the first fruits, you know, he's the beginning with more to follow. 
He goes on in 1 Corinthians a little bit later, uh, chapter 15, a little bit later in chapter 15. He says, brothers, I tell you this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep. He, he, they, they, they were talk, he's talking about dying. He says, you know, that's that temporary nature of death. You know, it's, it's permanent from our viewpoint, but in reality it's not. He says, you know, um, we will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, thanks be to God who gives us that victory through what Christ has done. He's telling us, you know, this body cannot inherit. This, this, body, is, this body is temporary. It cannot inherit. It cannot inherit eternity. No matter how old you are, what you've, what you've already come to realize, whether you're a teenager or whether you're a senior citizen, one of the things you've come to realize is things change, and I'm not like I used to be. That this body is not always going to function well. That this body is aging, is getting up. Mortality cannot take on immortality. That's why it says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And his mortal bodies will put on immortality. We will be like him. You know, but our relationship with Christ is for, it's, it's for more than our future. It is for our time here on this earth now. You know, we are, we're not our own. Uh, you know, we're not on our own. He's, he's not, uh, he doesn't put us here and just leave us alone in this world. You know, we're, we're not alone. It goes on in, in verse 18 there in, in Colossians. It says, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. You see, our relationship is for today, it's for the here and now, uh, it is for this day, and it is for every day. It's for the good days as well as the horrible days. You know, that relationship is for all of those days. It's for all, each and every one of them. It's for all, all time and every time. You know, we have the privilege each day to live with the Lord here and now. It's not just when we die and go into eternity. It is for the here and now as well. A few verses for you, Deuteronomy. I, I, I put the uh, I put the reference in your outline, and uh, yeah, I did. I wanted to make sure I did do that. Yeah, I put the references in your outline. You know, but this is what it says: Deuteronomy chapter four, verse thirty-nine. Today, you see, it's for the here and now. Today, recognize and keep in mind that the Lord is God in heaven above, and 
on earth below. There is no other God. It says the Lord, chapter 6, Deuteronomy. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God uh, for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Joshua, I I love this great verse. It says, but if it is disagreeable to you in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. You make that choice every single day whom you're going to serve. You make that choice many times a day who you're going to serve. You are making that choice. You need to realize you are making that choice over and over again. Choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How do you do that? By each decision you make every day. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, But encourage each other daily. While it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Just, just a thought for you. Have you encouraged anyone today? If not, work on it. Do it. Uh, Hebrews chapter, th- verse 15, same chapter, says, As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. You see, because it's, it's, to live, it's living for God today. You know, and making those decisions today that take us into tomorrow, living for him. James says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you're like the smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. It's not that you don't plan, but it's that you plan, but that in your planning, you plan that God may direct you differently. Second Peter chapter 1, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You're not left on your own. He's called us to live for him today and he is with us today. You know, it's not just a Sunday. It's not just a Sunday thing or whenever we're in trouble kind of thing. That's not the relationship he's, you know, that he's, he's calling us to. Not just a Sunday or whenever I'm in trouble. You know, that then I'm going to pull God out and have that. He is our head today, every day. Each and every day, he is our head. Each and every decision we make as we go along. Well, the verse goes on and says, so that he might come to have first place in what? In everything. That leaves nothing out. There's no set-asides. There's no area or decision where God is not a part. There's no area that's irrelevant. Nothing where he is not in the lead position. No area where he is not our head. There is no area in which he is not our head. You know, he is to have first place in all of our time and our finances. Those are, you know, those are the, the, the two most obvious things. But also the ones we often overlook when we make decisions. You know, he is our head and everything. Now, I don't think you have to pray about what tie you're going to. I don't think Ralph has to pray about what tie he's going to wear. You know, you know, the the whole thing there, uh, you know, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to pray. I don't have to pray about what socks I'm going to wear. I just take the ones off the top of the pile. That's what I put on, you know, and I don't, I mean, you know, uh, so that's how I do it. I just line my clothes up and I put on whatever's on the top or in front. And, you know, and, and that works for me. If it doesn't work for you, well, then you should really change and be like me. Just a thought. 
Just, just a thought for you. Um, but, you know, he, he might come to have uh, first place in everything. There is no place in our life where, you know, he is not our head. He has a he- to have first place in our time and our finances and in, in everything else. He has to have first place, it says here, in what? In everything, even those subtle areas, even the ways in which we talk to others. If you could see Jesus standing right next to you, you know, if you could actually see him there, how would you talk to your spouse? Would you say things to them in the way in which you do? How would you talk to your neighbor? How would you talk to your coworker? How would you talk to that guy that really ticked you off if you could see Jesus standing right next to you as you were doing this? He is to have first place in everything. He's head over everything in our lives. He is to have first place, not as our last resort, but as our first resource. He's not that last resort. He is the first one. He is what we turn to first. He is to have first place in everything, it says. Well, then it goes on. It says, so that he might come to have first place in everything is how it's worded. Uh, because we, we grow in our faith. We're, we're used to running the show. We like to run the show. You say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Because if you say, well, no, I'm just a follower. No, that's because that's how you like to run the show. I mean, and and we're just we're used to that. And here he says, so that we might he might come to have first place as we grow in our faith, as we realize, you know, more and more of the importance of our relationship with him in everything, in everyday living. And we grow as we relinquish control of those things to God. Ephesians chapter four, verse 13, he says he's in the middle of a sentence, but. Paul's king of run on sense. This is a really long one. Anyway, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, that we, we, we realize we are growing and we continue growing and we continue doing it until we're not like, you know, Pastor Kent. He's a good example, but don't stop there. All the way up until we are like Christ, it says. Philippians chapter 1, it says, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you can approve the things that are superior and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I like the way Peter puts it. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Here's the thing. Look at that first sentence. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as you do, as you do, the glory will go to him. The more you grow to be like Christ the more glory goes to him. New life in Christ is for every day. Growing in him every day. 
If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have a relationship you know, with, with Christ Jesus as your Savior, He is to be our head. Our, head our, our, our life source directing us today and every day as head over everything in our lives. He is head. So follow Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the gift of having you in our lives. Of knowing not only that you care for us and about us, but you are willing, you are willing to associate with us. You are willing to be that head. You are willing to lead us and guide us. I think of the things that that you put up with um, for me. Because of your patience and love, I'm not destroyed. Because you allow me to learn more and more about what it means to have you as our head, as my head in my life. And I learn that, Father, and you, your patience allows me to fumble, fall down, and you help me up, and you help me to stand. And you help me to grow. Because you are a gracious God. Not because of any gift or quality. Not because of anything I have. But simply because of who you are. So don't let us use any excuses, Father. Help us to yield to you more and more as head. Head of our lives. And head of the church. For your glory, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.